The shallow waters are safer. Shallow waters are more predictable and controllable. You can still catch fish in the shallows, but the biggest fish, the more bountiful catch, is in deeper waters. When Jesus first called his disciples to follow him, he called them into the deep. Deep teachings. Deep commitment. Deep adventures. Deep mission. Deep worship. Deep sacrifice. Deep rest. Jesus hasn't changed his Jesus calling. Jesus hasn't changed his calling. Jesus to hasn't us. changed his calling to us. In this series, we're going to see how Jesus is calling every one of us into, into the deep. deep. I don't know if open water like freaks anybody out. People are freaked out by open water, especially out in the ocean. There's a reason why open water can freak people out because depending on like what data you look up, the results might be different, but it's pretty safe to say that it's only around 25% of the ocean floor has been mapped by high resolution technology. And only 5% of our ocean has been physically explored here on the planet. Like it's insane what we don't know still about the ocean. And the ocean is this overwhelmingly massive body of water covering around 70% of the earth. At its deepest point is 35,876 feet deep, about 6.8 miles deep at its deepest point. Like Mount Everest would fit comfortably inside the deepest part of our Ocean. It gets even more mind-blowing when you learn that scientists estimate there are between 700,000 and a million animal species in the ocean, not counting microorganisms, and roughly two-thirds of those species have not been discovered yet or officially described. Every year, 2,000 new species in the ocean are affirmed by the scientific community. And it's no surprise that the vast majority of these new species and the uncharted parts of the ocean are found when you go into the deep. The problem is, while deep is where the greatest adventures and discoveries and treasures are found, it's also the most dangerous and risky and costly to explore requires more effort and courage to go there. And really, the, the same thing is true in our faith. Yet into the deep is exactly where Jesus has called all of us to go. And it's the title of a sermon series we are starting today and will actually take us all the way up to Easter Sunday. This is our first sermon series of the new year and real quickly just want to encourage you to go back and watch or listen to the last two messages if you haven't done that yet. Two weeks ago, our discipleship pastor, Pastor Ryan, uh, he delivered a powerful message to kick off the new year. So thankful for him and God's ministry through him in that message. And then last week, I preached a message about church membership called What's In It For Me? And this will be your last reminder from the platform that our membership commitment window 
will remain open through Sunday, February 11th. And then all of our membership covenant, the membership message can all be found on the Next Steps part of our website, theharbor.live. Click on membership. You'll find it there. All of our current members, if you're currently a member and any new members you have through the 11th to affirm your commitment as a member, would encourage you to do that. Well, as I sat down with our team to begin mapping out this series, there were some things that rose to the surface for us that were into the deep kind of things. Things we felt that maybe God wanted us to cover in the series, things that are gonna stretch us in our faith. Things that will help us navigate the deep and difficult parts of life, but also some things that are gonna take us into what I would call the deep end of our faith. And I know that not everyone who is here today and not everyone who's joining us online would would even say that you're interested in going deep. Like you may not have even started your faith journey with Jesus yet. You've not surrendered leadership of your life to him and, and that's okay. This is actually a great Sunday and a great series for you to be a part of because if you don't yet believe, you're gonna hear a lot about what Jesus desires for us and what he expects from us if we choose to follow him. And for those of us who might be intimidated a little bit by the deep end of the faith, like I get it, I really do. I know for some people, like you've been in the deep end of life, right? And the thought of taking on more in life or more in the faith can seem overwhelming or even terrifying for you. So I hope for you that this series will be an encouragement to your faith and and maybe that you'll be inspired in your faith, even continuing to the deep when life is hard, or I would say especially when life is hard. Because I know this, there is so much in our faith that we have yet to explore and discover. And just like we don't go from the shore to the deepest part of the ocean in one step, we don't go from the shallow end of faith to the deep end of faith in one step either. Going into the deep is a process that begins one step at a time. All of us can take one step, right? All of us can go one level deeper in our faith. And one step or one level deeper for one person might be very different than it is for another person. God doesn't always take us to the same depths in our faith at the same time or at the same pace. It's one of the greatest parts, I think, about following Jesus, that Jesus walks with each one of us right where we are leading us to go where he wants us to go at the pace he wants us to take. There are some people that God calls to depths that other persons aren't called to go. So the deep is not a destination you've got to get to today. It's a journey for the rest of your life. It's actually our big idea for today. It's on the screens. The deep is not a destination you're gonna get to today. It's a journey for the rest of your life, one step at a time. 
The big question then we've, we've got to try and answer is this, what does it take to go into the deep? What does it take to go into the deep? To find out, we're going to look at Luke chapter 5 in the New Testament portion of the Bible. Luke is the third letter in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and then Luke, written by a physician uh, shortly after the days of Jesus. His name was Luke, and he carefully put together an eyewitness account to the life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And many scholars believe that one of the eyewitnesses he used was Mary, the mother of Jesus, who would have seen it all. And it helps us understand why Luke records some of the most vivid detail of the birth day or the birth moment of Christ because Mary was most likely one of his eyewitnesses. Luke 5, starting in verse 1, says this. One day, and I'm going to stop there. Some of you are like, man, if he stops every two words, we will be here until Easter. Can I get a witness? I'm stopping there because I love that phrase. Two letters, two words. Two word phrase in scripture one day. And I I shared this previously many, many months ago, so it might be time to bring it back. I, I know it's just a transitional phrase, but these are two very, I think, two very powerful words in scripture used 120 times to start a sentence in scripture. Many times in the life of Jesus, we see it used over and over and over again. And often it is followed by the most amazing things happening. The blind would see, the lame would walk, the deaf would hear, the dead raised to life. Sins were forgiven, lives were changed. Entire destinies of people were transformed on one day. Like today might be somebody's one day here in this room. And we're going to see it happen in this story. So back to scripture. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, who we know as Peter, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper. And this is where the whole sermon series was born because several other English translations, Jesus, it's translated that Jesus said, go out into the deep. Peter, go out into the deep and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing, which is biblical evidence for me on why I think fishing is dumb. (laughs) Didn't catch a thing. Just kidding. I mean, I do think it's dumb, but I know some of you like it. So catch the fish for me, I'll eat it, all right? But I'm gonna stay inside where it's cool in the summer and warm in the winter. Can I get a good amen? (laughs) We didn't catch a thing, but check this out. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. The deep, not a destination you have to get to today, it's a journey for the rest of your life. 
So what does it take to go into the deep? Well, the first thing I see in the life of Peter right here in this story is this. There is a desire to obey. At the very least, if we're gonna go into the deep, there's gotta be at least a desire to obey. But if you say so, Peter said, I love that phrase too. I mean, Peter was saying to Jesus, even though I'm an expert in the field of fishing and you are not, even though I don't see how we're gonna catch any fish, even though we fished all night using every trick in our tackle box and we didn't catch a thing because you say so, I'll do it. Wow. And Peter didn't know what was going to happen. I think we read the Bible sometimes like with this assumption that Peter already heard a sermon on this. Like, no, Peter never heard a sermon on this happening. He was living it out. He did not see the chosen episode depicting this, okay? <laughs> which is awesome, by the way. You should check it out. In fact, judging by his response, which we're gonna see here in a little bit, it appears that Peter obeyed not expecting anything to happen. I don't think Peter thought he would have one fish in the net, let alone so many it would begin to tear, which tells me something about obedience. That obedience is not about the results I will achieve or the rewards I will receive. Obedience is all about my relationship with the Lord. If you say so, I'll do it. It might make no sense. People may not understand. I, I could look foolish to those around me. I may have no idea what will happen. But if you say so, if you say so. Peter didn't pray about it. He didn't say, I'll try tomorrow. No, right there on the spot when it defied all of his own knowledge and logic, he obeyed. He didn't delay. Do you know what delayed obedience is? Disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. This is probably the area that I struggle with the most in obedience to the Lord. I feel like I'm at a place right now in my faith where if, if it's clear that God said to do something, I'll eventually do it. But so often I push it off. Not tomorrow. Let me pray about it. Prayer is often our excuse not to do what we know we should do. Often, not always. James, the half-brother of Jesus, in his letter said this, James 4, 17, remember it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Not, not for somebody else, for me. Brother Yoon, who's an exiled Chinese Christian, former house church leader in China that was exiled from his country for his faith in Jesus, he said this, we're not called to live by human reason. All that matters is obedience to God's word and his leading in our lives. When we are in his will, we are in the safest place in the world. Even if that means it's not safe for my body. The problem is, 
far too many of us as Christians, we know way more than our current level of obedience. We are overeducated as Christians. We know a lot, but haven't applied it all (laughs) to our lives. We say as Christians that we want deep teaching, but I wonder if what we really want is teaching that's so complex, I don't have to apply it. Too close to home? (laughs) But why would God take us any deeper in our faith? Why would God give us any new information if I'm not willing to obey on the information he's already given? to do what he already told me to do? It's a challenging question that we've all got to ask ourselves. You see, deep is not about information. It's about transformation. Becoming more like Jesus every day. Deep is not about academics, learning more about God. It's about application, being more like God. And, and, and please hear me, like I am all for learning and information and, and academics and education about God. But if my focus on going deep is all about what I know and not about what I do, it's like a painter having a blank canvas with a tray full of paint, but never putting any paint on the canvas. Pastor Andy Stanley actually said it this way. Unapplied truth is like unapplied paint. There is no such thing as deep teaching. There is only deep application. So the deep is not a destination I've got to get to today. It's not about information that I know. It's a journey for the rest of my life. So what's it take to go into the deep? Well, there's a desire to obey. That if you say so, Lord, I'll do it. So is there something that God's already revealed to you that you're not being obedient in doing? We all might need to do some soul searching today in asking Jesus that question. Do I already know something that I'm not doing? Because if you say so, Lord, I'll do it. Second thing I see here, we're gonna see in the scripture is this. There is a declaration to make a declaration to make. Continuing on in Luke chapter five, they've caught this fish and now it says this, a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat and soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Like ultimately, this was a declaration for Peter about who Jesus was. You see, I think initially Peter obeyed because he was being respectful to a teacher and a rabbi. Most scholars agree that Peter had already encountered Jesus before this moment. This was not the first encounter that Peter had with Jesus or even the teaching of Jesus. And 
So he already had like this, this sense there was something special, something different about this man. But now, after experiencing this, he was convinced I'm not just standing in front of someone special or different. I am standing in the presence of God, God in the flesh. In one moment, on this one day, Peter was overwhelmed by the holiness, the power, the majesty, the awe of Jesus. I think he experienced in a moment, in part, what every one of us will experience one day, either when we die or when Christ returns, fully confronted with the holiness, the wonder, the majesty, the awe, the fear of who he is. Joy Dawson, who along with her husband was a missionary, said this about Jesus. When we see him face to face, in all his awesome holiness and blazing glory, it will seem incredible to us that we ever had a casual thought in relation to him. Which is why Peter said what he did. Like, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. But here's the thing. I think we can learn so much by what Jesus doesn't say here and what he doesn't do. I think it should bring some comfort to us all that no no matter where we're at in our faith journey, this is true for us. You see, my sinfulness in light of God's holiness is not an insult meant to drive me away. It's an invitation meant to draw me near, to take me deeper into his holiness to take me deeper into repentance, to take me deeper into relationship with him. And I know this because of the last thing Jesus says, but also what he doesn't say. Continuing on in the last part of verse 10, Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. Like fear me, yes, but don't be afraid of me. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. I love this encounter here, and a couple things stand out to me. First of all, I don't think we really lean into this much, but it it stood out to me that Jesus doesn't correct Peter when he says, I'm such a sinful man. He doesn't say, no, you're not. You're not sinful. You do you, boo. Like, follow your own truth. Just be happy. No, he doesn't say that. But he also doesn't say, you're right. You are simply, ew, get away from me. I'm too holy to be around you. He actually didn't even address Peter's statement. It was almost like Jesus was saying, yeah, I know you're sinful, Definitely too sinful to be around me. But that's kind of the point. That I came so that sinful people like you could follow me. So follow me. And they left everything 
and followed him. The deep is not a destination you have to get to today. It's a journey for the rest of your life. So what's it take to go into the deep? Well, there is a desire to obey. If you say so, I'll do it. There's a declaration to make that you are God and I am not. And I'm just reminded that I'm too sinful to be around you. But thank you in the name of Jesus, you invite me in. That yes, you are holy, but not so holy you can't be with me. Because of the blood that you shed on the cross on my behalf. It's this holy fear of the one I've put my faith in, a recognition and declaration about who he is and who I am not. And then third thing, last thing is this. We've already looked at it. There is a decision to follow. If I want to go into the deep, there's a decision I've got to make to follow. Again, we don't often kind of ponder on this, what's happening here, But Peter was faced with a massive decision. This was the largest catch of his life. He was a master fisherman, fisherman by trade, professional, meaning he knew what a big catch looked like. And this one was so big, it convinced him that this dude was God. They had boats Professional fishermen boats that were made to carry the largest catch they would ever expect to catch. And this catch was so big that two boats almost sank trying to hold it. Like, I don't know how much money this fish would have been worth, but this was a life-changing, life-altering moment for Peter that caused him to force a decision in his life. Like they could have had webinars galore on how to catch fish and make all sorts of money. Like their reputation as fishermen would be at its peak. And yet they left it all in the boat and followed Jesus. A couple years ago, we were studying this passage in the men's small group I was a part of. And a guy named Brian, one of the men in the group, said something about this encounter that Peter had that I'll never forget kind of putting himself into Peter's shoes as we were discussing this passage, Brian said this, I can look at all the fish in the boat and say, do I want all that? Or I can follow the guy who told the fish to swim into my net and they did. I can choose the catch or I can choose the one who caused the catch. Don't be afraid, Jesus says. From now on, you'll fish for people. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that Jesus was insinuating here to Peter that you are going to reach people in the same way you caught these fish in masses. Which, by the way, was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached one sermon and 3,000 people were saved and baptized in one day in the same way he caught those fish, he was reaching people. And we don't have time to go into this real deeply, but I think it's intentional that the next three stories in Luke are about reaching people, but not just people in general, specific kinds of people. 
The first story is a story of a leper, then a paralyzed man, and a tax collector. I challenge you to read the next three stories in Luke 5 on your own sometime this week. I think God was making a point through this eyewitness account that if we follow him into the deep, we are gonna reach unclean people, which is what lepers were. They were unclean. People literally wouldn't touch them. They had to, sh- as they walked through the street, a leper had to shout out, unclean, unclean. And people would scatter from the leper. And the first person after this story Jesus went to was a leper and healed him. The unwanted is who we are called to reach, which is what a paralyzed person would have been. When you were born with a disability, it was believed that either you or your parents sinned and God caused you to be paralyzed. So they were unwanted. They were cast into a field or on the side of the road to fend for themselves. And Jesus, after this encounter with Peter, went to a leper and then went to a paralyzed man saying, I'm gonna go after the unwanted than a tax collector who was unloved. Tax collectors were despised by the Jews. They hated tax collectors because they were traitors. They were Jewish people working for Rome, robbing their fellow brothers and sisters to make themselves rich. Yet Jesus, after he told Peter, you'll be fishing for people, the first three people he reached, a leper, a paralyzed man and a tax collector, the unclean, the unwanted, and unloved. And friends, that's who we're called to reach. To restore those who are battered, refuel the weary, and return to our lives with Jesus at the center, changing the world one life at a time. That's our vision. But to pursue that vision, we must have a desire to obey a declaration to make and a decision to follow Jesus into the deep. The battered and the weary, they aren't found in the shallow. They're in the deep. Returning to our lives won't keep us in shallow, safer waters. It will take us into the deep. Alexander McLaren a local church pastor and theologian in the late 1800s, died in 1910. In a sermon he gave, that's now recorded in his his commentary, gave this statement, it's a little bit longer, but it's been resonating with me for a long time now. said this, as long as you keep pottering along a boat's length from the shore, you will only catch little fishes. The big ones and the heavy takes are a way out yonder. Go out there if you want to get them. As long as we keep Jesus down within the limits of use and want, there will be very few fish in the bottom of the boat. I want to lay on my own heart and especially on the hearts of the members of the church of which I have the honor to be the pastor, the solemn responsibility to launch out into the deep and let down your nets. I believe for my part, 
that if all the good, God-fearing, Christ-loving men and women were to hear this voice sounding in their ears and to obey it, they would change the face of their city. To launch out into the deep. What if 2024 is the year where we as followers of Jesus just say, if you say so, if you say so. And thank you that even though I'm a sinful man, you invite me in. And so I'm gonna choose to follow you. I'm gonna leave the catch for the one who gives the catch. What if 2024 is the year that Christians live this out in such a way it changes the face of the city? I'm gonna ask Pastor Chris, if he'd go ahead and come on up and get prepared. He's gonna sing a song over us today. It's a song that fits perfectly what we've just talked about here. It's a song called Pioneer. The song talks about how we are so good at at creating a picket fence of faith where we're safe and comfortable on the inside when we're actually born to be pioneers to launch out into the deep where it's often uncomfortable and unknown and even unsafe. But we know, as we sang earlier, there is another in the fire who stands with us. There's a firm foundation that we stand upon. I'm gonna ask if you just bow your heads and close your eyes and just in a moment of reflection, maybe there's something in this message that Jesus is speaking to your heart. And you can just ask, Jesus, what are you speaking to me? Perhaps there's an area of life that you've already been given the information that you need from God, but you've just not been obeying. And so it's just saying, if you say so, Lord, if you say so. Or maybe it's just a reminder for you today of how grateful you are that I'm a sinful person too sinful to be in the presence of God, yet he invites me in by the blood of Jesus. So thank you. You're God, I'm not. And because of that, I'm gonna gonna follow you wherever you go. Maybe it's a decision to follow Jesus for the very first time by putting your faith in him. You might say during this song, Jesus, I believe. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. I surrender leadership of my life to you. You, our God, died in my place and rose from the dead, I believe. So live in my heart. If you say so, Lord, I wanna follow you. You can do that right now in this moment. Put your faith in Jesus. So so Lord, thank you. Thank you for the scripture that just challenges us to go into the deep, to have a desire to obey a declaration to make about who you are. And Lord, all of us faced with a decision to follow. We are not meant to play it safe. We are meant to pioneer. So even use this song now to speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.